0: Is it time to get charged up? Visit Downtown Kia, EV Discovery Centre, Lower Mainland's newest Kia dealer, the electric vehicle experts. Learn all about their amazing lineup of electric vehicles and discover excellence. Call Downtown Kia today to arrange a test drive and they'll bring the test drive to you. Downtown Kia is located at the corner of West 8th and Burrard Street in Vancouver. Check them out online at downtownkia.com or call 604-336-9050. Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. My guest today is Maxime Chiron, founder of BC-based leading head Energy and one of the country's leading experts on EV charging infrastructure. We'll talk with Max about the current state of the country's charging networks and strategies for Stratas to navigate the often confusing landscape of installing chargers for residents, both from a cost and infrastructure perspective. We'll also talk about garage orphans, those EV owners or wannabe owners whose sole parking option is on-street parking, meaning a real challenge to keep your battery pack charged up. Before we get to that interview though, some EV news making headlines. As important as all new electric vehicles are for the onward march of the EV revolution, the true metric of progress is battery technology. In the past decade, we have seen full-charge ranges quadruple thanks to improved battery composition and chemistry, and EV experts worldwide cite battery breakthroughs as critical to the growth of the zero-emission mobility movement. That's why the recent announcement about Toyota and Panasonic's new joint venture is so exciting. Called Prime Planet Energy and Solutions, the new company will employ more than 5,000 people, nearly half of those in China, and will focus on the development and manufacture of prismatic lithium-ion batteries, solid-state batteries, and what a company press release refers to simply as next-generation batteries. Toyota and Panasonic have worked together for two decades on the automaker's nickel-metal hydride batteries for hybrid vehicles, and this new partnership signals that Toyota is, finally, embarking on an all-electric vehicle strategy. To that end, Toyota recently announced its Lexus LF30 concept will use solid-state batteries – which, if proven reliable and scalable, could be a real game-changer in the battery business. Add in the fact that Panasonic has been Tesla's battery partner all the way back to that first-gen Roadster, and this pairing signals the very real possibility of great advancements in mobility batteries in the near rather than distant future. It's a little bittersweet for me to report that electric vehicles outsold vehicles equipped with manual transmissions in North America last year. Sort of a snapshot in time of one dying bit of motoring lore and the rise of a technology positioned to reshape our ideal of the personal automobile. I say bittersweet because some of my most memorable vehicles I've owned had row-your-own gearboxes, from a beat-up Volvo 240 sedan to a mid-80s Jeep Cherokee to a 1971 Porsche 911T. None of those vehicles would have been the same without a clutch pedal. Likewise, I have wonderful memories of learning to drive a standard in a 1979 Brown Honda Civic. Terrifying at the time, it was a skill learned that I still wear with a badge of honour, and my passengers a badge of courage. The reality, however, is borne out by sales, as apart from real enthusiasts and automotive journalists, no one really wants to shift their own gears anymore. In congested urban traffic, it is a pain, and if paddle shifter manumatics are good enough for Formula One drivers, they're good enough for weekend track racers. Still, sad to see the end of that era. Okay, let's talk with Maxime Charon about the current state of charging infrastructure. Maxime Charon is the founder of BC based Leading Ahead Energy and a board member of Electric Mobility Canada. He has been leading the EV infrastructure consultancy sector in Canada for several years and has extensive experience when it comes to the EV charging industry and regulations. His work has involved advising best EV practices to firms in many industries, including real estate development, asset management, hospitality, property management, and auto dealerships. In addition, Max has led and managed various Level 2 and Level 3 EV charging projects across Canada, providing clients with market-leading technical advisory and project management services. So, as I always ask someone, the first EV you ever drove? First generation Leaf, Okay. which I still drive today. The same car? Yes, nice. How many miles do you have on, or how many kilometers do you have on that?
1: In the last two and a half years I'm at seventy seven thousand kilometers
0: nice and uh why an e v like what was your impression of driving that first gen leaf?
1: I've always been in sustainability and I've studied corporate sustainable strategies, and from there on, I just knew that it was more of an environmental standpoint right, but then once you start driving an eV, you understand the difference. Um, one of the big perks for me was that, you know, when you get home in the evening, and you're kind of running out of gas, and you just tell yourself, oh, I'll just go in the morning, and then you kind of run out of time in the morning, and you're like, oh, now I really need to stop to fuel a car, then Neve, it's always fully charged in the morning, yeah. unplug, and get going.
0: Right. So that actually segues wonderfully into my, my first real question of you, um, because of your infrastructure charging Um, experience and expertise. In your opinion, what charging infrastructure is more important for the ongoing adoption of electric vehicles, residential or public charging stations?
1: I would say both. It really depends on the neighborhood you're in right? and also if you're including level three charging station or level two. Because in the public charging infrastructure, level three will be playing a big role. But it's not to say that it's not worth installing Level 2s in some areas because it's also playing its role in the charging infrastructure world.
0: So Level 3s obviously are for people looking for a quicker turnaround. Correct. A a quick charge, as it were. Um, Whereas a Level 2 maybe is somebody who's at work or whatever where you're you're somewhere a little longer.
1: Yeah, so in terms of time for Level 2, it's going to be anywhere for, if you're dead battery, it's going to be anywhere between 4 to 8, 12 hours depending on the size of the battery that right. you have in your car. Yeah. Um. But what I also always say is that when you drive an EV, it's a little bit like your phone. If you're at your desk and you've got 50% charge, you know you're gonna not gonna go through the day. You're gonna plug it. Same thing with an EV. You're at 50% charge. You're gonna go out to grocery store or the retail store, or shopping mall, whatever it is. You're gonna plug it in, get another 20% extra,
0: yeah. and then drive away. Right. And then at night, obviously, like your phone, you just plug it in, go to sleep and wake up and you're ready to go. Correct. So, I mean, I've talked about this in the the first season of the podcast in that um, I'm not a big, I won't say believer, but I think the residential charging station is key. I think if you buy an EV, you have to have a residential charger at your house simply because like the phone analogy we just talked about, that's where the vast majority of your charging will go. It's kind of like if you own a gas vehicle, you don't think, okay, I'm going to drive you know, from North Vancouver to Surrey. Is there a gas station in Surrey? You don't even think about that. So why do you need to think about a public charging station? Why are so many municipalities trotting out charging stations and saying, look, we're, we're helping? I think it's more a photo op in many cases. It's more kind of virtue signaling than really adding to the vehicle adoption. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, it, again, it depends on the neighborhood. If you're lucky enough to have a garage or access to a home parking or stall, right. then yes, the public infrastructure is mostly going to be highways when you're go out, going out on trips. right? However, if as we call in the industry, we call them garage orphans, right. whenever, especially a lot of big urban areas like yeah. Toronto, Vancouver, yeah. Montreal, yeah. Uh, downtown Calgary even, right. When you have older apartment buildings, it's all street parking. Um, first that come to mind is really East Van and Kitsilano yeah, West in End, Vancouver. West End, I think of. West End, right. where street parking is everywhere. Yeah. And now that people are able to buy a used EV, which they were not able in the past, yeah, which reduces the barrier of, Entry, which is yep. the forty to sixty to one hundred thousand dollars, depending on the brand that you want to go with. Right now, you can get any used EV for twelve thousand dollars, which oftentimes offset the gas expenses monthly that you you'll be generating. Yeah. so you basically get your car for free.
0: Right, but as a consultant for those people, what 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 advice do you give someone who has street parking and wants an EV? Uh, I'd I mean, say what's what's the reality for them?
1: For them, the reality would be fast charging once a week because nowadays, even if you get a shorter range EV, um, if you fast charge, you at least have a hundred and they're mostly 30 kilowatts hour nowadays. So you're mostly going to have 150 kilometers range right. in your wheel, in a real world and not 200 as they're really showcasing. Right. Um, And that. It's usually enough to get through, get you through a couple of days, even if you live in the Tri-Cities, or if you live on the South Shore of Montreal, or if you live in Markham in Ontario, especially when you're stuck in traffic, your EV is not consuming anything. Right. Um, so in that sense, you can fast charge 20 minutes, maybe twice a week, go to the grocery store, plug your car in, come back, and you're done.
0: Yeah, right. So that's kind of where you work with municipalities. Those, as you say, it's the neighborhood that matters. So that's kind of where you should kind of locate these charging stations is in these high-density areas.
1: Correct. So for public level two and fast chargers, that's where the focus should be on um, for municipalities because that's what they have control over, Right. obviously. Um, but again, level twos are really important places like rec centers or public places like libraries and where people are going to go for a couple of hours and that might avoid them going to a fast charger because it's going to be enough charge to get to the next place where they can charge the car again.
0: Right, right. So that's the, the street parking garage orphan. Correct. Um, another garage orphan is a strata. And and it, they might, they obviously have in in many cases underground parking, but as we've seen through the years, there are conflicts in Stratas with electric vehicle owners. How has that progressed? I mean, my anecdote is I remember someone five years ago, she plugged her leaf into the garage plug that was probably used for who knows what. And uh, someone on the Strata came, would always come by and unplug it. And obviously she's drawing energy and, and costing money to the Strata. I mean, not the hundreds of dollars they suspected, but you know, a couple of bucks here and there, but still um that became an issue. So where are we at with stratas right now?
1: Depends where or how aware the strata council is. Sometimes we're still at the same point as we were five years ago because Strata Council as a whole hasn't start looking into it. So they really have to start from scratch. Um I'm sure a lot of people know plug in BC already. That's the great start for them to just they can even call in and they're gonna get all the information for free. It's a uh, BC-funded organization, so it's really there to help them go through all of the hurdles. Right. Um, they also have a lot of grants uh, that they can have access to right now, which I highly recommend getting right away because we don't—it's government funding. You never know it's going to come back next year or not.
0: Right. That's grants to offset the cost of installing a charger. Correct. But right. it's
1: not only the charger; it's also all the infrastructure. So the main cost of a Strata is not the charger itself. It's upgrading the electrical infrastructure in the electrical room. Right. Um, if right. you're lucky enough, sometimes there's enough capacity to put two EV charging stations in the visitor stall, which is a great starting point, but it's not a future-proof solution by any means. Yeah. Um, however, if you're pretty maxed out on your electrical infrastructure, what you're going to have to do is hopefully you have a... Spare switch that you can use to add a transformer and the panel, and you have a dedicated panel for EV, which is the best solution to go because now you have a lot of different ways of managing load sharing, and not just going with circuit sharing. You can go panel sharing, or you can go on your energy management system right away. Right. Um, There's different types of load sharing situation that you can do if you're putting on the panel. Right. But yeah, that that's going to be most of your costs, plus running
0: out of the cable to every single stall. Do you want to test drive the latest EV or hybrid all in one location? Then make sure you attend the Vancouver International Auto Show, March 25th through 29th at the Vancouver Convention Centre. Celebrate the 100th anniversary of Western Canada's best-attended consumer show, experience the best in new vehicles and fantastic historic automotive displays, and sign up for the Clean BC Go Electric test drives, where you'll get the opportunity to take a drive around downtown in state of the art, zero emission vehicles and get all of your EV questions answered by experts. Sign up at the show. For complete details and show tickets, visit Vancouver International Have there been legal challenges in any provinces where, you know, one strata owner wants a charger and the strata won't allow it? I mean, have we have have there been anything like that?
1: Unfortunately, we've seen some strong opinion kind of bringing a big stall to initiatives that had been worked on for a few months. Right. Um, it's a legal process. There's nothing we can really do about it. The best thing to go around that is really. Educating the strata well. Right. Um, there's so much information on the web right now that is from expert to Uncle Sam, and it's really hard to get the gist of the right information to convey to council to really bring um, strong opinion, not strong opinion, but great value opinions and information to make sure that it. it you build your business case, right? Yeah.
0: Would these chargers be pay-as-you-go? Because, be... That, I mean, that gets back to the initial yep. point is if you're just tapping into the the, the fuse box, you're, you're still not really – you're still sharing the cost of that electricity.
1: Correct. So there's different ways of doing it. Um, if it's in the visitor parking, they usually go by hourly rate. Yeah. So in that sense, that's where you get ob- – as soon as you get into a strata situation or a parkade situation, uh, we highly, highly, highly advise to put a smart charging system. Whatever it is, put a smart charging so system. So, what does that
0: mean, a smart charging system? So,
1: basically, there's two type of chargers. If you own your own house and you have your own garage and nobody's going to have access to that charger, we call it dumb charger or standalone charger, Yeah. Um, will be the best option for you. You can right. buy it off of Amazon or Any manufacturer mostly you can order online, Um, that's fine. Call your local electrician, they're gonna plug it in, and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, In a Strata situation, um, when you get into load sharing, uh, when you get into access control, billing, then only smart chargers can do that. Right. Now again, there's multiple systems that can assist you, and there's no one solution Fit
0: all right. When they- you say that, do you mean by brands? I mean, when I you mean, say many solutions or yes. different, even obviously different levels, but different brands.
1: So different brands are going to have different solutions for different types of buildings yeah. and different scenarios. And right. So it's important to really look at every single one of them. Um, there's also brands that work on a proprietary network. Some others work on an OCPP or Open ChargePoint protocol network,
0: which means,
1: and it's very important to differentiate both of them, right? Because a proprietary network, you will have, I mean, I it's mostly ChargePoint, Flow, EV Duty; those are the brands that are going to work on a proprietary network, right? Which they they still make great products, but the client needs to understand that the hardware, which is the charger, and the software, which is the app and the running software, where they can. Control the chargers remotely are linked together, so it's, if you
0: buy one of those, the person who charges has to use the app correct right,
1: and they're also you all it also come with monthly fees and payment processing fees, right, and you're tied to those, yes, for the lifetime of the unit, which is about ten years, but again, we're early in in the industry to tell, but there's still chargers out there that's been lasting for ten years, right, and what that does is also locks you in the situation where every other chargers in the future will have to be the same brand yeah. if you don't want to start managing multiple software in the backend and right. paying different fees. Right. That's why we always advise people to go for an open charge point protocol because, and that's that's mainstream in Europe. There's no more or barely any proprietary network in Europe because they understood that the hardware has to be a different manufacturer or company than the software. Yeah. They talk to one another, but you're not locked in any situation. So if you don't like your provider, software provider, at some point, they hike the fees, customer service is not good enough, or it's not what you're looking for anymore and you just want to change, you can. Everything can be done remotely. You don't even need to have a technician on site. Right. Uh, You just point the IP address to where the charging station connects to, and that's the end of it. Right, and if there's a new technology that's coming out, you like to have a different brand of chargers. As long as it's OCPP compatible, you can have different brand of chargers in your parkade as well.
0: Right, so this is almost like a, the old classic VHS beta thing.
1: I like the cell phone analogy better. So when we started having cell phones in Canada, uh, if you wanted to go from Rogers to Bell with your cell phone, you needed to change your phone number and your device. Yeah, now it's a five hundred dollar phone, so. It's expensive, but it's not too bad. Yeah. Now if you wanna change your provider, your service provider, you also need to replace all of the existing charging stations. So if you have 20, that's a lot more expensive.
0: Right, right. So
1: it's not a future-proof solution by any means. Right. And what I would also suggest is to be really wary of what the company is saying. So there's a lot of marketing saying that the company is OCPP I'm trying not to mention it right now <laughs> but the network is OCPP so what what they're trying to do really is to collect the $30 per month fee right 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 so they're gonna accept other hardware or chargers on their platform right but their charger will never be able to work on a different platform right right even though they're saying otherwise we've yeah. been trying with few clients and it's been quite the journey to we just gave up and we say, okay, all the f- chargers in the future won't be that company pretty much.
0: Is, is this something that you think there will be government legislation to come up with a standard? Or will it always be kind of this this one one or the other choice?
1: Uh, no, there's in every or most of the RFPs nowadays will so request for proposal at the municipal and government level. They are requesting for open charge point protocol. Right. But they're starting... St- Requesting only the network. Right. Um, not the hardware. Not the hardware itself. And that's right. where they were lacking because if you don't put that the hardware needs to be OCPP. you're buying a piece of hardware that can only work on... One charger, but it's still going to allow you to put other brands on that software. Yeah. But you're still locked in with that software and all the monthly fees that
0: are coming with it. Right. And this is something that is determined at the municipal level as opposed to provincial or federal.
1: Depending where the request of proposal is coming from.
0: Right. Okay. So if it's a strata, it's going to be the municipalities.
1: Uh, if it's a strata, it's going to be from the strata. They're just going to put an RFP to Okay. Okay. Any so the municipalities
0: don't have umbrella things saying you have to do this or you have to do that. You, the, the, each strata can determine whatever they want.
1: Correct. Right. Okay. And the municipal level is if the municipality wants to get involved in EV charging and they want to purchase.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your Your expertise and your, your consultancy is Canada wide. Um, you might be based in Vancouver or I'm sorry, Squamish. But you work across the country in your experiences. I mean, where are the places that people have really, or not people, but, but, um, regulators and elected officials have really embraced EV technology or, or see it as a, as a solution for their population.
1: Um, Vancouver and Toronto have have obviously been the leaders. Montreal. Uh, Montreal is a weird one. So, what Ontario did, which was great before the Ford government got in, is that they've put the regulation in the building code. Okay. So it wasn't per municipality or I'm in mean municipality level like it is in BC that every municipality is kind of doing their own thing. Right. Richmond and Vancouver kind of started the model and every other municipality around kind of copied it, which yeah. is great. Yeah. it a
0: headache. And the building code being what? That if you build something... You need to have, so right now in BC or in
1: Metro Vancouver area, but Surrey, um, you need to have a 100% of all stalls to be roughed in. And what does that mean? It means you need to have the current, the conduits, the wiring, and the junction box to make sure you can install a charging station. It's ready to go.
0: To every stall. To
1: every stall. Right. For every new construction, that is a bylaw.
0: Right. Right. And in Ontario, it's a blanket for the whole province?
1: In Ontario, uh, they, it was very similar, but the Ford government kind of pulled everything right. out and removed it out of the regulations. So what the uh, city of Toronto did is they came up with the uh, Toronto Green Standard. So what that means is every building needs to have a 100% rough in, but they went an extra step, and they also required 20% of... 20% of those stalls needing a
0: charging station right away. Right. So with these roughed-in ones, let's say in Vancouver at a new building, I'm thinking what that means is if I move into this building, I can put my own personal charger in my stall.
1: If it's a parquet, no. Because the way it works is if you – a level 2 works on a 40M 240 volts. Mm-hmm. And I know there's not everybody is familiar with electrical wording and – specifications, but if you put a 4DM breaker to every single stall, it's going to be way too much demand, and BC Hydro will most likely not even be able to put a transformer that big for every single high-rise building that's building in Vancouver. Right. So the regulation that, okay, we can do a load sharing up to a 4 to 1 ratio. Some other municipalities, it's a 3 to 1 ratio, so what that means is one 40 dm circuit will be able to energize four stalls or three stalls if right. it's a 3 to 1 ratio
0: out of 100 or or what what I'm sorry so four stalls in a parkade
1: yeah so basically you have one junction box yeah with a four-way splitter that can wire four stalls so if you're the only one coming in yeah you'll have full power if your neighbor plugs in then it's going to Divide in two, yeah. So you get down to six amps instead of thirty-two. Right. The third one comes in twelve and
0: eight. Right. Um. As
1: soon as it's dynamic low management, so as soon as one is fully charged, then it redistributes the power right. evenly.
0: So these are shared stalls. Still, they're not your own personal stall.
1: No, they're your own personal stalls that you bought with your unit. Okay. But if you're having a like nobody needs a full charge every night. Right. And um, if you have a forty amp breaker, and if you're if you drove 80 kilometers during the day, it's going to take you almost less than two hours to fully charge right. on a regular 40 break, uh, and breaker. So if you go home overnight, even in the load-sharing situation, you'll still be fully charged. Right, right. Um, especially with cars now being 400-kilometer range or so, yeah. most people won't even plug every night. Right, right, right. Uh, leaving power for whoever needs to charge faster yeah. available for them. So what that does is you can buy your unit with your stall with the dedicated charging station the only thing is you cannot buy your own on Amazon as if you had your own single house because there need to be smart chargers and there still be there still need to have a synergy within the whole parquet for the system to work right in right. that load sharing environment
0: yes okay so this is obviously from your experience this is something you've been dealing a lot with. Um, every day. Every day. <laughs> what um I'm assuming one day this will be solved if there's such a thing in this world. Um, what do you foresee as your next challenge as a company in terms of clients coming to you saying, now what do we do? Or this is a problem? Uh, Plug-in B C
1: initiative is great to get people into EVs. Yeah. But the grant unless your single family house is for public charging so they want them to put they want plug and bc wants strata to put their charging station into visitor parking lots right right but that has its limitation yeah because at some point when you have 50% of people driving electric the visitor stalls are not going to be uh, enough at that point, right? So that's going to be the next challenge of oh now we really need to think about a bigger strategy for a strata, or that's where the government needs or private companies at that point to offer public charging. So there's a mix of both that you can charge at home, but you can also use the public charging network. Yeah, um, and yes, that that's where. There's a lot of statistics right now that says 80% of the charging is done at home. But the people who bought an EV first were the people lucky enough to have a garage or right. somewhere to charge.
0: Which seems to be the case. Which seems
1: to be the case. Yeah. But that 80% is going to change dramatically if you're looking at the European market. right? Because now people are like, where do I charge Because I'm parking on the street or I'm in a strata building and it's so hard or so expensive to put the charging stations in that it, I'm better off charging publicly and just to give a little bit of a perspective to the audience even at a fast charger it will roughly cost you $10 to fast charge a car with 350 to 400 kilometer range versus $70, $80 worth of gas
0: in looking at all this, when do you think there will be the so-called tipping point of EV adoption? When do you think, I mean, or, or to you, what is the metric that signifies we've reached the tipping point?
1: I think it's a mix of two things. One is the manufacturer solving the battery supply issue. Right. And two is it's also a needs versus want on the consumer end. What you really need and what you want is could be two very different things. Um, but I'm—it's
0: a bit of a chicken n- and egg thing, though. I mean, it, if the manufacturers is, don't bring them to market, people won't, won't think they won't. want that or need that. However, what I'm
1: what I'm foreseeing is as soon as smaller crossovers or pickup trucks are going to be in the market,
0: yeah, uh,
1: that's going to be the tipping point and. We're never going to be looking back from there on.
0: Right, right. Well, thank you, Max. Uh, it's, it's been great talking to you. Um, as you said, we could have talked for three hours about this stuff, but uh, hopefully we'll have you back in the future. So that's Maxime Charon from Leading Ahead Energy. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that informative talk with Max. He certainly knows his stuff when it comes to charging infrastructure. I also hope some city councils and strata councils were listening, as without them getting on board with electric charging options for their constituents, there is a whole segment of the population missing out on the EV option and experience. In Season 1, I often cited skepticism behind the need for public chargers in dense urban areas. So thanks to Max for explaining to me, and you, the garage orphan phenomena, and how that without such public stations, those would-be EV owners are out of luck and range. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest, Maxime Charron, producer extraordinaire, Darm Makwana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. Be sure to check out next week's episodes when we'll be sitting down with Nissan Canada's electric vehicle guru, Francois Lefebvre, to talk about his company's early adopter status in the electric vehicle world, the history of the Nissan LEAF, and some early insights into a coming very soon all new electric vehicle from the automaker. We've been waiting. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin@postmedia.com. at For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. Subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.